I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast, 32 teams in 32 days. I'm Neil Smith, joined, as always, by Mr. Steve Bottom. And uh, it doesn't really matter, because whatever happens, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to discuss it later. There's no, like, evidence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think part of why he's... We're, we're we're stalling here already is because today folks we're going to sit down and talk about the las vegas raiders which is a show that neither you nor i are particularly looking forward to i'm sorry raider nation i know you might be looking forward to this and hearing us talk about your team but for fantasy purposes oh, this is a weird one this is a weird one to try and unpack because you're trying to unpack the decisions of mr john gruden and i i don't have the- for fantasy purposes it's just like the fan base it's the black hole it, it really it just there's nothing in there and it all sucks well i was gonna say it's hard to diagnose because you're trying to unpack the decisions of a madman mm-hmm. so and i don't have the necessary therapy degrees to like psychology degrees to kind of unpack all of it all the time for you but once again everything we discuss here today will be based on 12 team ppr and uh, we'll be referencing our own content as well as the Fantasy Pros ECRs, maybe some other things along the way as we kind of weave our way through this for you. And check us out at importantnonsense.com and importantnonsense.com slash Patreon for $1, $1 a month. Check that out and you can join our Discord and let us know how that wor- how, how, uh, what your feedback is to that. We have a lot of people on there to talk to. If you have questions, if you would like us to look at your team, if you have trades that you're evaluating, or if you just want to talk to like-minded fantasy football people, we have a very active community in the background, and you can talk to us directly. So if that's of any interest to you, importantnonsense.com backslash Patreon. Is that good enough, Steve? Did I plug enough, did I plug enough stuff yeah, at the... Uh, yeah, okay, okay, good. All right, now that we've got the commercial out of the way, let's just, let's just hold our nose and just get right into it. Not too much has changed with this. There's been a few changes from last year to this year as far as the Las Vegas Raiders go, but they're they're a little wonky because it's the Las Vegas Raiders. Everything they do is a little bit wonky. But what hasn't changed is that Derek Carr, for all intents and purposes, will be the starting quarterback for that team again. And we've talked about this a lot with Derek Carr, right? Everybody, I think at a certain point, points along the way may have had some kind of expectations for the man last year he actually showed some signs of life which is why he's back as the starter this year because we had this conversation last year that he was kind of on the bubble in terms of maybe losing that job and potentially having to go find a uh, a new home elsewhere very rapidly but he played well enough they're bringing him back he's going to have the job this year he'll be being backed up once again by marcus mariota so that also hasn't changed so marcus mariota will be just waiting in the wings for him to make a mistake. And he actually got on the field for them last year and uh, looked decent uh, for a little while before it kind of fell apart again for him. So we'll see what happens, but do you have anything in the way of expectations for Mr. Carr? Because I've got it. We, I see that he's, you know, he's our 20, 23rd quarterback. 
in our projections. And I know I have him ranked somewhere in that neighborhood. So yeah, I've got him at 24. He's 23 in the ECR. He's 24 and 80. There's nothing. here. Yeah. And I have him at 23. So there you go. I don't want him. I don't want Mariota. Nope. It's, It's, it's all, it's all bad. Yeah. And so for the record, I don't think either one of them is bad enough to crater out what handful of skill position players you might actually be interested in. So there's that. And if Derek Carr does, that's a generous way to talk about Darren. (laughs) Well, I was also referring to the running backs. Theoretically, Mm. they matter. Mm. Theoretically, Mm. right? Well, we're going to have to talk about them either way, Steve. You can make all the derisive noises you Mm. want. It's not going to escape you from your fate. And I know Mm. you're stalling. Yeah. Just keep doing that. You know Mm. what? This is going to be the, uh, this is going to be the, the, the shortest show on record. (laughs) I I think it might be because what do we, I mean, what so are we, we going to talk about? We already talked about Carr. That's transition of what matters. Darren Waller. Yep. That's it. Okay. And by the way, this is going to be short. Show. Well, the, tomorrow we'll the... be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so tempted to just do it. And it's a five minute show and we just move on because it's so accurate. Derek mm-hmm. Carr himself isn't bad enough to crash the car. Neither is Mariota, but they don't matter in and of themselves. Darren Waller, to your point, is what matters. He is the tight end, too, for just about everybody, unless you're interested in George Kittle, but it's either Kittle or Waller, and I don't know that it matters too much. I personally have Waller at three. Our website has him at two. He's, I think, is he two or three in the uh, in the ECR? Two. Two. So he's in that tier, right? It just, it's... That's really all that matters, though. He's a huge focal point of their offense, and I think neither you nor I or the industry sees any reason for that to change. As I've said uh, in the past, ADP right now, he is going top of the third round. He, To me, he's discount Travis Kelsey. He's going to yep. give you basically the same production, but you get it two rounds later in your draft profit. So there you go. He, he has the targets. He's going to have the receptions and the touchdowns. He's going to do it all. So there's really not much to discuss about him. He's, I don't want, again, we talked about it in the Kansas City episode a few days ago, but Travis Kelsey, I'd have to get him near the back end of the first round if I was going to do that. It's, it would be the only time I'd consider it, but that would be really overpaying for a tight end, in my opinion. I can get Waller or Kittle in the third round after I've already established my running back room. Well, it's why it's it's why we would consider it overpaying for a tight end. You know what I mean? Because you get similar level production from Waller and Kittle, but two rounds cheaper. It really makes a material difference when you're putting together the early part of your team, the nucleus of your team. Really makes a huge difference. And the reason that Waller is so valuable because the wide receiver room is such an utter disaster. And that's where I was going to go because we're just going to talk about pass catcher now. And this is one of those rare circumstances, Steve. We do 32 of these, obviously, right? hence the name, and maybe one or two fall into this category every year, there are, I would argue, there are like no useful wide receivers. It's it's part of how Darren Waller can amass what he needs to amass to be the number two overall tight end in fantasy, because the best wide receiver they have replacing, uh, replacing, oh man, who did they lose? Tyrell Williams. Yeah, replacing Tyrell Williams, who basically never even played for them functionally, uh, is John Brown coming over from Buffalo and he's their best wide receiver. Basically. Oh, I'm walking. sorry that Tyrell Williams was their number one 
two years ago, got hurt last year. Got in hurt. Yeah. Last year, Nelson Aguilar was their That's, number. Thank one you. That's player. what I was thinking of. Yeah. Had the breakout. You're had right. the breakout when Carr was playing well. Nelson Aguilar also was not retained, though, by the team in the offseason, despite that breakout. Yeah. So they bring in John Brown, hoping to recapture that same magic. He's yeah. their best wide receiver on paper. And John Brown is fine, but he's their wide receiver one. And in our projections, he's wide receiver 52. And that's about right. He's he's getting up there in years. He's getting up there in terms of health concerns. And again, there's a difference between injury prone and being hurt, like actively being hurt. And John Brown often falls into that category. So it's really not something that you're going to count on. And they're just there's not enough volume even for him to get elevated too much above it. So frankly, I'm not even really interested in John Brown at all. There's no pass catcher that I'm interested in no. except for Darren Waller. And that, yes, right. that includes the next guy, Henry Ruggs, coming into year two, who I know some people still have high hopes for. We'll just and rattle hate, them off. Renfro, yeah. Brian sure, Renfro's Edwards still there. year two, Willie Sneed, who they signed, Keelan Doss, and they still have Zay Jones from that trade with Buffalo. Yep. So it, it's just a bunch of guys. It's just a, a room full of guys that are retreads from other teams and then fast guys that they drafted. That's it. Yep. That's, that's it. That's all they got. And none of them are good enough to roster in a redraft league. Henry Ruggs is the only one being drafted right now, and he's being drafted in the 11th round. And if yeah. you want to shoot that dart, you go right ahead. As your seventh wide receiver, whatever. I don't and care. even then, it's not for me. I don't care, but it's not for yeah. me. If, I'm you not, wanna, I if you want to take that chance, go for it. I just don't see the upside. Nope. I'm not, I'm leaving every single Oakland or there it is. I finally did it. You it did only it. took, it You're took, ready. it took 15 minutes. I managed to do it. Oh, the pre-show meeting. I literally told myself I wasn't going to do it and I couldn't do it more than 15 couldn't minutes. Help yourself. What are you going to do? The only, there are no wide receivers in Las Vegas that I would be willing to draft. It's one yeah. of those rare situations. I would leave it all out there. And if somebody can separate and you want to pick them up off the waiver wire, fabulous. That, but that's where they all belong, is yep. waiver wire acquisitions if somebody can separate themselves. So beyond that, we can just talk about running back because yeah. there's nothing else to talk about. So running back is interesting because Josh Jacobs has been on again, off again. You know, when he came into the league, a lot of people had very high expectations. He lived up to that in a somewhat way, his rookie yeah. season before he got injured a little bit. But then you yeah, found out he played. Ago, remember, yeah, he, he had a really good rookie year and yes. playing half the season the Broken shoulder, separated shoulder. Separated yes, he shoulder. played. He yeah. played half the season with a separated shoulder, and that tells you everything you need to know about his toughness. Because, mm -hmm. oh boy, that's a man-sized injury right yeah. there. Played the whole rest of that with that. Oh boy, but it is a thing that happened to him, despite the fact that he was able to play through it. So it isn't. It is a concern. Last season, he didn't quite hit the numbers that his rookie year of his rookie year, but he was also a little bit beat up along the way again. So he played yeah. well when he was fully healthy. But he got nicked up along the way, and he didn't really miss a lot of time, but he was clearly playing through some things. Well, and his biggest issue in PPR is he doesn't catch the ball. That's correct. They always use Jalen Richard, who is no longer yep. with – well, actually, he is still with the team, but yeah. he doesn't really matter for the purposes of anything fantasy-related. So they still have Jalen Richard. brought in Theo Riddick for a little while. Right. And Yeah, there. brought in Theo Riddick, and he's still technically with the team, but we'll see if he actually survives cut-down day. So they have a couple guys like that, but the big name, the big addition, they went out and spent – a significant amount of money, actually, to bring Kenyon Drake in in free agency, last with the Arizona Cardinals. And it really set off a couple alarm bells here because for the fantasy community at large, it's one more bell cow running back out of the pool because now you're looking at, realistically, you're looking at a timeshare between Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. Yeah. So this is where it gets muddy. 
this is where people are having a, are having because you're asking us to guess to a certain extent because this is something that the fantasy community has never seen before. Gruden himself is no is no stranger to using two RBs and rotating guys through. He did that in Tampa, so he'll do it when he when it when he finds the guys that he wants. And it seems like Kenyon Drake is going to be pretty heavily involved here from all the camp reports. And it looks like he's really going to take over that third down role and that red zone role to be the red because he catches passes a little bit better than Jacobs. I would argue that Kenyon Drake isn't the world's greatest pass catcher. He he wasn't even a better pass catcher than Chase Edmonds, right? Yeah. But as far as being a decent pass catcher, he can do it. He can. Mm-hmm. He can do it. It's just it's a little bit of a weird move. But then Gruden always he's kind of notorious for this. But they're talking about they're going to split him out wide. So I'm expecting to see a significant amount of Kenyon Drake. What's interesting is, is that no one knows what to do with any of this, I feel like. And everybody's kind of hedging and throwing darts. I can tell you that for me, I have Josh Jacobs still at RB17, which is down from where he would be with the Kenyon Drake edition. But look at running back just as yeah. a position this year. Yeah, Josh Even, Jacobs was a borderline top 10 guy for us last year. Yes, correct. Because he had basically the bell cow role. And you mentioned Jalen Richard not being much of a threat. Uh, they also had DeAndre Washington last year uh, to to be like the number three on the team. Uh, no depth, really. We knew what Josh Jacobs' role was going to be. Whereas now they bring in Drake, they're splitting the workload, and in PPR when he's not getting the pass catches, you're really hoping that Josh Jacobs becomes the goal line back and that he's getting those end zone looks to fall into the end zone and get you those six points because otherwise he doesn't have a, a tremendous amount of value. He's for me in seven at 17 as well, but in the ECR, he's actually at uh 22 right now. And that's what I'm not surprised about because mm-hmm. I think a lot of, a lot of industry people, but also just fans and, and, and things like that are kind of, kind of just kind of poo-pooing Josh Jacobs a little bit with the Kenyon Drake thing. But then I wanted to dovetail into Kenyon Drake himself, because if that was the case and they put him that low, you would think Kenyon Drake would be higher. But I often find that that's not the case. So it confuses me. And that's what I want to talk about. In ADP, Josh Jacobs is at 19. Which is sure. So he's actually going a little bit ahead of Of his, of his ECR, ECR, which is for us, he's still, for us, he's he's still still a value, still a value, still a value at 19. We would argue. Whereas I personally, again, as we were talking about before this, I have Kenyon Drake at 38 and it's because I know he's going to have a role and we have seen in his career that he's capable of handling a full workload if given to him. And we listed it off like there's really nothing behind the two of them. So if Jacobs were to sustain some kind of injury and Drake became the guy, all of a sudden he's a borderline top 15 back himself because he has a full three down workload. So for me to get him at 38, I feel like that's uh, my RB4. There's not much risk there. And the upside is immense. He's right in line with that in the ECR, and his ADP is at 42 right now. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk through because they're they're they've he's both running backs are being devalued, right? Yeah. I think people are just a little bit scared of them maybe just being a bad team and not being right. able to establish the run. But to me, that all that says is we listed the wide receivers for you. We just went through it. I would not be surprised in any way 
if suddenly this offense devolves into dump-offs to Kenyon Drake mm-hmm. at a very high rate because they just can't get anything going out of the wide receivers and they're throwing it to Darren Waller and Kenyon Drake over and over. Somebody's going to have to catch these passes because the defense is atrocious. We'll touch on it. The defense is going to be atrocious again. It's Again, it's one of those bottom three defenses in the league. So they're going to be chasing. They're going to be moving in the hurry up. So I would think logically that if that's the way that you're going to unpack it, that I could understand being down on Josh Jacobs a little bit, right? They're going to struggle to establish the run in theory. So they're going to go more up-tempo. Maybe you get a little bit more there. But then why sleep on Drake? Is it just because people were burnt last year by Drake when he underperformed? Is that all that is? Because if that's all that is, then uh, if that's all the best we can give by way of explanation, like I have Kenyon Drake at RB36. I'm two spots higher than you in, in my own rankings. And it's just because whatever you think of Kenyon Drake and whether or not he's a you know, like an elite level running back is kind of immaterial here. (laughs) He's got a job. And so he's got to go in that room of guys with the James Robinsons of the world where he's basically running back one B. He's not really the backup. He has his own job. And if something was to happen to the guy he's sharing the job with, we've got evidence that he could actually come in and do the whole job to your point from a moment ago. You can't say that about a lot of guys that are in this neighborhood. And by the by the way, just the reason I'm bringing this up, by the time you get to RB42 this year, you're talking about Tariq Cohen and Devin Singletary and yeah. like it's well, none of that is more what I'm saying too, like just looking at what he did last year, right? We've never been Kenyon Drake guys. No, no. Show except for last year when we well, when he had he had the opportunity last year for the exactly. first time ever, so it's worth it. But Going back to last season, remember he was part of the year and him and Chase Edmonds were in basically the exact same situation we're talking about here. There's no one behind them. One of them is the established pass catching back and one of them is the established between the 20s back. And the roles were reversed. Drake was your between the 20s guy slash red zone. And then you had Edmonds, who was the primary pass catch. And when they were both healthy and both playing, Last season, weeks 10 through 17, so to finish the year when they were both healthy, Kenyon Drake was RB10 in PPR, and Chase Edmonds was RB31. So I'm not saying that they're going to be that efficient. I don't think either one of them will have that significant of a role, which is why I have it more of, you know, Jacob's back near the 20. He's not going to get as many pass-catching opportunities as Drake got when he was with Arizona. So that's why I have Jacobs as the primary lead back, but closer to 20. And Kenyon Drake has a possibility to finish as a top 30 running back as well in the same backfield. And you can get him at a value at 38 or 40 right now. Yeah, this is one of those scenarios where I think the hate has just gone too far on Mm -hmm. both guys, but especially on Kenyon Drake. Yeah. And I get it. People were burnt last year. He was being rated as a top 10 running back and he didn't give you that. So it's, and then he got a change of scenery and it's not as, it's not as attractive of a job, but I think, I think the rumors of his death have been largely unfounded. Cause if you're telling me that I can have Kenyon Drake at the same price point as Devin Singletary, well then that's not a conversation. I'm taking Kenyon Drake every single time. Yeah. So it's, Hey, we did it. We did it. We found something that was worth talking about that isn't Darren Waller. We did it. And with that, I think we should just run away from this topic as quickly as humanly possible. So tomorrow, we will talk about something significantly more interesting. The Miami Dolphins. Check it out. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. 
I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!